Hello, welcome to Watch It Baptist Church Online. My name's Mike, I'm the pastor at Watch It Baptist Church. I am currently in uh, a bit of woods, a place called Nutcombe Bottom, which is not far away from Dunster, uh, because I was keen to film outside and then saw how much it was raining this week, and so I've done my best to find somewhere where I can hide from the rain and the wind. Uh, so I'm under a lot of trees, which is mostly keeping me out of the rain, but they are dripping a bit, so I, I might have a splodge land on me at some point. We're looking for the second time at the subject of worry in our series, Why Worry? And this time we're going to be looking about worry and others. Last time we were looking at worry and the day-to-day. It was going to slightly change our perspective and our outlook this time. We're going to be mostly basing ourselves at the beginning of Matthew 7, but there are a couple of other passages I'm going to want to look at as well. And then we'll finish with our questions as normal. But as is customary, let's begin in prayer. Lord, we have heard your call not to worry. We are aware that there are many ways in which worry shows itself. And so we want to learn from your word about what that means for us in different ways. Would you open up our eyes and soften our hearts and help us to be transformed through your spirit by what we learn this time. Amen. Okay, the rain is falling heavier, which means that my tree cover is looking already slightly less effective but I'm hoping that that uh, heavier rain is going to pass and we'll get something kinder in just a moment. We are going to begin as I said in Matthew 7 uh, but we're actually going to just borrow the last verse of Matthew 6 to begin and it says this so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Do not judge others and you will not be judged For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye, when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite! First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So while I was hoping that the rain would... uh, not be heavy for as long it got heavier uh, my wife who is out for a walk while i film this i'm a bit concerned for her because she's walking on paths rather than under trees and she may come back very soggy but we'll press on anyway and we'll have a look at how this passage actually feeds into our understanding of not worrying and, and actually particularly what to not worry about so we want to first of all make sure that we link together two passages so last time we looked at a passage in Luke but we refer to the fact that it ties in it it kind of parallels a passage in Matthew and that passage in Matthew is the end of chapter 6 so this is where we're picking up from so Jesus is encouraging the disciples that he's talking to to not worry and he's talking about things they will worry for uh, for themselves they're kind of what they eat and drink and what they wear and things like that so it's the things that concern people about their so sort of regular day-to-day circumstances but he kicks straight on and, and it, it's important that we don't miss this because as a chapter change we can very often sort of stop draw breath and sort of treat it as a new start in actual fact i think what, what jesus is doing here is continuing this line of thought about worry and saying that now it's important to be aware that we shouldn't worry about what other people are doing now it's important as we think about that that we recognize that what jesus isn't saying is that other people's 
circumstances um, are things that we can close our eyes to. He's not saying be blind to what other people are like or what their situations are. He's not saying that, but he is specifically saying that there is a distraction that can happen when we look at other people and we process what they're doing in terms of worrying about it or possibly even um, deciding whether it's a good idea or not. This idea of judging isn't just about saying you know, have some discernment, it's a bit more sharp than that. So when Jesus says don't worry about what other people are doing, he's more saying don't put yourself in a position where you are looking at them and deciding uh, what is or isn't appropriate or what is or isn't right or, or whether or not you would do a better job in their circumstances. It's those kinds of perspectives that Jesus is playing on as he's talking here. In that previous section, Jesus really wants people to understand that he's encouraging them to be dependent on God and not on whether they have enough stuff or what kind of stuff they have and whether their clothes look nice or whether their food is, is you know, particularly um, wonderful, uh, whether there's enough of it, but also what kind of stuff they're getting to have. So as he's talking about this, he is saying, don't worry about your own stuff and, and don't actually, don't worry about other people's stuff either. It's at this point that I want to introduce you to the idea of a tumble dryer. That isn't just because I'm standing here getting a bit more damp than I'd expected to, but it's because I think the tumble dryer can be a really helpful way of us understanding uh, what we're trying to avoid and what Jesus is encouraging us away from. In fact, this uh, illustration of the tumble dryer that I'm going to touch on is echoed by uh, a quote that I'm going to give you from an author a bit later on. But here's the thing about a tumble dryer. In a tumble dryer, things go round and round and round and they get hot. And actually, uh, if you're not careful, you can end up pulling things out of a tumble dryer that are full of static electricity. And, and so they come out sort of sharp and, and spiky and, and they can be uh, stingy and hurt a little bit. There is a real risk for people that we act like tumble dryers, that we go round and round in circles and we get hot and a little bit bothered and that we don't go anywhere because a tumble dryer stays exactly where it is while it's spinning. We don't go anywhere and then actually what we come out with from that process can be stingy or, or um, sharp, particularly perhaps aimed at other people. So the tumble dryer is a helpful way of us, perhaps a helpful way of us understanding what it is that Jesus is saying we want to avoid. That idea that we go round and round in circles, getting hot and bothered and actually not going anywhere. just pulling in again the, the words that Jesus gives in the section before this. He is very keen for people to not be distracted away from a dependence on God and, and a focus on God's way of thinking and doing and being, his perspective on the world. And when we worry about other people, that's something that can easily happen, that we, that we come away from God's perspective and we start focusing in on something else. So here's the thing about the something else. The risk that Jesus is talking about when he says don't judge others is that our distraction and our worry about the behaviour of others 
becomes based around not what God sees, but what we see. And we know that God's perspective is brilliant. It's wider and longer. It takes everything into account. And it really focuses in on mercy. It's an expression of love that God brings, that he looks at people's circumstances and he brings a perspective of mercy. And he seeks to help us understand ourselves and to help us be patient and understand each other too. The thing about judging, as I said before, it's not about good judgment or good discernment or or wise perspective. It's about that sense of making my or your perspective the one that matters most. So when we judge people in the way that Jesus is talking about, what we're doing is saying, here's my perspective on the world. I know that's good. And therefore anything that's happening that isn't in line with my perspective on the world must be bad. And then I treat somebody as if they're bad or wrong or need correcting because their view isn't mine. So Jesus is saying, don't don't do that. Instead, bring that sort of mercy-based approach, that love-based approach to other people. And then if you're not worrying about how they're behaving, you're instead bringing God's perspective to what they're doing and who they are. In judging, we very often define people by their behaviour. God doesn't do that. He defines people by who they are, whether or not he approves of their behaviour. So there's a big distraction thing that goes on here. And it's a distraction that's important that we recognise. And let me tell you why. To judge others is to take God's seat, to sit where he's supposed to be, to act as if we belong in his place. When we judge others, we make our view of the world the centre and everything else is a reference to that centre. We effectively make ourselves the person whose view is right. And then we consider others from that standpoint. Now, this is, uh, and there's a one word sort of summary description of this. It's called pride. And pride, in spiritual terms, is one of the most dangerous things out there. And it's one of the things that our enemy, Jesus's enemy, sometimes called the devil or Satan, really likes to, to charge up in us. He likes us to feel that the way we see things is right. Because then we can get distracted by that. And if we're distracted by it, we can make the world revolve around us, not about God. And he's desperately trying to keep us away from making God the centre of our lives. So when Jesus says, do not judge, he's saying, be careful. Because if you judge, you're putting yourself at the the heart of things. Your worldview depends on you. And actually, a healthier thing is to recognise that our worldview depends on God, how he sees things how he sees people, how he understands situations. And if we can bring that God perspective, we're not going to be judging. We're not going to be putting ourselves at the centre. I think it's Rick Warren who says the best way to avoid worrying is to worship because our focus then ends up on God and his point of view and the security we take from him and the trustworthiness that he carries, the faithfulness that he brings. So that's really worth doing as a, as a really practical way of responding to these distractions of worry whether it's for ourselves or for others is to respond to that with worship and we might be less familiar 
with the way we think about other people as being a worry thing because it's different from the anxiety we feel about ourselves and our own circumstances. So we're going to need to train ourselves to recognise those moments when what we're doing is looking at others and saying, you're not doing it how I would or you're not doing it as well as I think I would. And we need to nip those thoughts in the bud. As the Bible puts it, take every thought captive and bring Jesus into everything that we think as well as all that we do. It's at this point with my notes getting a little soggy that I want to refer us to a different passage. So we're looking at Galatians, uh, and the back end of Galatians 5 and the beginning of Galatians 6. So it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Now my notes are really struggling to stay together at this point, but I do see, want to see if we can just draw our attention to those verses and recognise a couple of key things. We are responsible for us. So the way that we behave, whether we judge or not, whether we worry about what other people are doing, how they're behaving or not, that's on us. That's something that we have control over and we're responsible for how we handle that. We're responsible for how we process the world. And if we're spiritually healthy, we recognise that we need a lot of help with that. That spiritually we're unlikely um, to be able to stay on top of that all the time. That we are inclined to be tumble dryers. That we go round and round and we get hot and a bit fuzzy and a bit staticky and we don't go anywhere. And if we can be honest with ourselves about those moments when we are inclined to judge others, then we can go somewhere and do something about it with the Spirit's help. In Galatians, as Paul writes to that church, uh, in Galatians, Paul is saying exactly that. You're going to need the Spirit's help, but you are responsible for you. Now, the next thing I want to draw our attention to is that we don't need to compare ourselves to others. And actually it's unhelpful for us to do so. Most of judging is about comparison. Sometimes when we're judging, we are desperate to reassure ourselves that we're good. And actually it does us good to recognise that we're not and that we need mercy and grace. Sometimes we're just desperate to remind ourselves that that person who we struggle with, that perhaps they're the problem. The reason why we struggle with them is because of what they're like. But remember that Jesus went and sought out those who were very different from him, whose perspective on the world wasn't necessarily godly, and he got alongside them. And so his response would be to say, well, you know, we don't judge, we get alongside and we understand. And remember, too, that when faced with that woman uh, in John 8, who had been caught in the act of adultery, he actually goes as far as to say, the punishment that you should receive, I'm going to interrupt. I'm going to, if you like... I'm going to take the justice away and put mercy in its place.
It's the author Jodie Pico who writes this. If you spent your life concentrating on what everyone else thought of you, would you forget who you really were? And if we go about judging others, we are encouraging them to focus more on what other people think of them than on what God thinks of them. And surely we want people to know they are loved and cherished by God. It's um, a different author, uh, a lady called Katie um, Dale, who writes, Worry is like a rocking chair. It keeps you busy, but gets you nowhere. It's something like that tumble-dry idea again, but it's, it's getting us away from this idea um, that worrying sometimes somehow helps us or takes us somewhere healthy. It really doesn't. Finally, I'm going to dip into uh, Psalm 37, verses 1 to 4. Um, if the ink hasn't run yet, and it hasn't, uh, so which says this, don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. It's easy for us to worry about those who are actually wicked, those who are bad and doing it wrong. Sometimes easy for us to look at them and bemoan the fact they seem to be successful or it seems to be working out for them and feel it's not fair. And it isn't fair. But as the psalm says, that's not for us to worry about. The thing for us to worry about, or maybe better phrase would be to concern ourselves with, is how we walk in step with God. How we avoid the distraction of making ourselves the centre of the world, or the centre of the universe, or rather, at least the centre of our worldview. How we avoid doing that and instead put God at the centre, worship him, turn our attention to him, and see what he sees. And if that's difficult, to ask the Spirit to help us give a help us see clearly how God sees things. Let's leave that there. We're going to pray and then we're going to ask those three questions as usual. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to get under the skin of more than one way of thinking about worrying. Help us not to worry. Help us not to worry for ourselves because you have us cared for. Help us not to worry about others so that we are not distracted away from your view of the world. Help us to put ourselves fully under your care, to be faithful enough that we don't need to be fearful and we don't need to worry. Grant us these things, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be brief with the three questions because it's now probably time I got in the dry. Question one is this. Who do you know who is slow to judge and how can you tell that about them? How can you see? What is it about them that makes you go, yes, I, I know they're slow to judge people? Question two. What behaviours in others wind us up enough that we feel the need to point them out? So what are our triggers, if you like, with other people's behaviour? Question three. Do we give other people permission to point out our own bad behaviour? And should we give that permission? Well, that's it for this time. Thank you so much for bearing with me, uh, for enjoying this outdoor space despite its dampness. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. God bless.